With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio podcast, Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Ian, I, I wanted to start us off. You, you wrote a nice article for Play Colorado. I think it's something that uh, most of us are thinking about at this point in the season. The Denver Broncos sit at 4-8. and eight, And the big question really around this team and around this franchise is what do you make of the Denver Broncos right now? There are so many things going on with this franchise, so many things happening with this losing franchise, which I think is a difficult thing to have to say, but the truth hurts. And, and so really you, you start to look at it and go, well, what, what is all this? And, and your article makes a really good point, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, that when you look at this team, yes, they're 4-8. and eight, Yes, they're probably going to end up with a losing season. No, that isn't acceptable in Broncos country uh, and hasn't been forever, but here we are again for the however manyth year in a row. It was a fourth year in a row. But there's some positivity there. The last couple of games, the Broncos have seemed to be better and getting better. So what? What? What do we make of that? Where are we? What? Because we've let's face it, we've been in Effettville since the Raiders game. So if we're still in Effettville, right? We parked the car, we set up the tent, we're camping, we've got a little campfire going, we're making s'mores, but we're not leaving. We're going to stay in the park here in Effettville. If that's where we are, then what do we make of this team? To add a little bit of a reference to the Effettville, what we are is we're at the point where we're the characters in that scene from Blazing Saddles and we're having beans. (laughs) Oh, more beans, Mr. Taggart? I'd say you've had enough. (laughs) Love that scene. Oh, I love that movie. That's look, go watch that movie. If you're offended, I don't know what to tell you. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. It is by by far one of the funniest comedies in history. Mel Brooks is a genius. Richard Pryor and uh, is a genius because he helped write it as well. I mean, it was I, go go watch them. Just go watch it. Blazing Saddles. Yes, go, go watch it. it. And then remember that that movie would not get made today. No, not even not even a little bit. They would cancel that movie so fast. 
this you you woke people wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy it but oh so good so as we're sitting around the campfire in Effettville eating beans and Farting. if you've seen the scene you know what what we're doing I, I think where we are is there's this tendency to say that there's no moral victories and I, I don't understand that logic because if you lose, yeah, you, you don't feel good about it. But if all you do is look at the scoreboard and that's all you do, or you look at the standings and you don't add context to it, then you're going to be disappointed. But there are, there are and you, you mentioned the article at playcolorado.com and I mentioned it. You have to go back to the 1960s and early 70s to have a string of seasons where the Broncos lost like this. I did note that the current iteration of the Broncos has some work to do to catch up to the 10 straight losing seasons between 1962 and 1975. So there is that. But if you take, if you take the context, they have gotten better. They did upset the Miami Dolphins. They basically had the same game plan against the Kansas City Chiefs. The difference is you're not playing a rookie quarterback and the Miami Dolphins, which I still think is one of the surprise teams in the league because of Brian Flores. It's the Super Bowl champions. But they still had the same game plan. They rushed the ball very well, 179 yards. They were very effective on third down, 7 of 13. That is remarkable. 7 of 13 on third down, and they didn't give up a sack. So one of the things that if you go back and look at the draft when Elway was able to select Jerry Judy and then K.J. Hamler and then Michael Ojemudier and then Lloyd Cushenberry in the third round, they didn't get a tackle. Well, they've solved the left tackle problem. They just extended Garrett Bowles, who is now the franchise left tackle. He is the guy leading this offensive line now. Yes, that is peak 2020. But the offensive line is a strength now. How is that not a positive? You took away a huge area of need by Garrett Bowles taking the development that he did. You have the weapons in place. You have a running game. Jerry Judy is a rookie. K.J. Hamler, a rookie. Noah Fant, second-year tight end. Tim Patrick, remarkable, a remarkable player. He is going to be a great second or third fiddle to Cortland Sutton. If Jerry Judy can get some targets, just, just a couple. Come on, he's getting his conditioning in. You have a running game that, with Melvin Gordon, was very good, and that I haven't even mentioned the defense. The defense held Patrick Mahomes, as Benjamin Albright tweeted on Sunday or Monday, I can't remember which one. That the Broncos' defense held Patrick Mahomes to the second fewest amount of points since he's been in the, in the National Football League. And as I mentioned on the post-game recap, 0 for 4 in the red zone. The Broncos now have the best red zone defense in the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 3 for 10 on third down. They're over 50% on the season. So, yes, the losing sucks. Yes, it's the fourth straight losing season, and they will get another loss in the next four games. But you can also see glimmers of hope. And that doesn't equal a moral victory. But there are positives that you can take away from all of it. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point. And it has to be uh, uh, it has to be a thing that you decide to do, the, the positivity angle. And I understand that uh, many people in Broncos country are sick and tired of the losing and sick and tired of the irrelevancy because we are not used to it. It is something that we did not grow up with, right? As Broncos fans, uh, you know, we grew up with a, a team and a franchise that was always relevant, that was always in the mix, that was always going to uh, challenge for if, if at minimum the AFC West and at most a, a shot at a Super Bowl. I mean, that's what they were able to do. So we get to this point here where most fans at at this juncture in their lives haven't experienced the kind of losing that fans of an older generation than ours remember. 
Remember we talked about the old man uh, and and sort of what he went through as a, an early Broncos fan. That's why you brought up, uh, you know, the record from 1960 to 1972. And you had there was those 10 straight seasons of losing. And it was rough. It was rough. But when we when we really evaluate where this team is at, when you when you can step away and try and identify what it is about this team that is either good or bad or what the, you know, what is going on. There are a lot of things that you can look at and say, the Denver Broncos do this really well. The defense is very good. There is no doubt about that. There are weapons all over the place on offense. Their kicker is one of the best kickers in the NFL. There are uh, the, the, the solving of the left tackle position by actually sticking with a guy who we campaigned to get rid of, but they, we did. they, we did. I mean, admittedly, I, we got that wrong. We were incorrect. I was, I can admit it. But I was they, way wrong. I mean, we were begging for them to cut care of, just please move on. Nope. And, and it, and it paid we off. We should have held our breath because we, we could we'd breathe. Be we'd be breathing. Yeah. We'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> we would have made it. We, we were wrong about that. And, and I'm not saying, and I know someone said, well, that's not the same as learning to play quarterback. It's a different position, yada, yada, yada. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is what you're going to get in 2021 is more Drew Locke. I'm, I'm sorry. If you don't believe that, too bad. The Denver Broncos are not going to move on from Drew Locke after 2020. Because 2020 is such an insane season with so much outside force being exerted on all teams sure every team has to deal with it but it's going to impact the growth and development of your young players and the most important of those young players is your quarterback and unfortunately in the nfl the most important player on your team is the quarterback and if you don't believe that i I can't help you i'm sorry you're beyond you're beyond help at this point but what it tells believe that you didn't watch the game on Sunday. You, you missed it. Because that's it. the reason the Chiefs won. And they didn't win because of Tyreek Hill no. or Edward Zolaire or Tyreek Hill or like uh, you went with Tyreek Hill twice there. Fantastic. Yeah. Or or <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Tim Concey, the, yeah. the tight end. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not gonna refer to him by his real name anymore because he thought he was playing the Raiders. So F that guy. He he didn't think he was playing the Raiders. Hey, can we can we talk about this? Travis Kelsey didn't think he was playing the Raiders. Travis Kelsey knew exactly who he was playing, and he he decided to take a shot at both teams. Right, that's a swipe at both franchises. There, it's, it's actually well played. If I'm Travis Kelsey, and I thought of that, that's that's well done. As much as the Broncos and Raiders hate each other, to to essentially make it as if you can't distinguish the two, and as bad as the Broncos are, and what the Raiders are right now, that's that's actually. That's I'm sorry. I hate to say this about about Mr. Kelsey, but that's elite level trolling right there. And I'd like to punch him in the face for it. But at the same time, kind of kind of well done. Uh, You know, I I mean, and also if I punched him, he'd probably just, you know, kill me. So, you know, I'm going to stay away from Travis Kelsey. And I'll say his name because he's an idiot. And I'd like to say that Travis Kelsey is an idiot. So I want to make sure I can say that. But when you are when you are thinking about what this team is, just to kind of just kind of rein it back in, right? When you're thinking about what this team is, this team is a very talented football team with a lot of really good components without a true quarterback. You know, to answer that question, what do, what do you make of the Denver Broncos as we sit here in Effettville eating beans around the campfire? What I make of it is, is this is a very good team with no quarterback. And if you're a very good team with no quarterback, you're a terrible team. Your record will show that. And right now their record shows that. That isn't and and I will also say that is not a shot at Drew Locke. Because I'm not taking shots at Drew Locke right now. I'm simply recognizing the fact that the quarterback situation in Denver is abysmal. It just is. That's here's the truth, right? Joe Mahoney wrote a, an article uh that, that went out that said Drew Locke is the worst quarterback of twenty twenty. That's true. Based on the statistics. Right. Statistically true. Statistically, you can't argue that. Numbers are great. Fantastic. Probably eye tests, too. And, and probably eye tests. And 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 I get it. I, I told you. I was watching the the Bills and the and the 49ers. I was watching Josh Allen, and the thought popped into my head that 
Drew Locke and Josh Allen are not the same species. You know, we keep trying to make that comparison, and and I hope we still can. But those were not the like. Josh Allen was a professional quarterback in the NFL. Drew Locke isn't. I mean, he is. Again, they can get paid, but I mean, whoo, big difference there. So that's something else we got wrong. Yeah. Whoops. Let's do. We, we should just do a what we got wrong tour for the last few years and just see how bad it is. Actually, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> it might be easier to list the things we got right. Right. That's uh, there's a there's a promotion for the podcast. Let's list the things we got right. Here's three of them. But when we when we start to kind of get into well, what do we make of the Denver Broncos? This is a team that needs a quarterback, and if it's Drew Locke, that's great. If it's not Drew Locke, then who is it? And we're not going to know until after 2021 because Drew Locke's going to get another year. Drew Locke is going to get another season, and it's it's hopefully going to be a season where he gets a full off season workout. He gets OTAs. He gets training camp. He gets preseason games. He gets more time with his offense, with his offensive coordinator, with his quarterbacks coach. Not a switch and then a pandemic and everything disappears and he's not able to really put in the work. And like you said, I'm not making an excuse because he's been bad. But there are certainly some mitigating circumstances that I know the Denver Broncos as a franchise are going to go, well, here's all the things that happened, so we're just going to run it back because that's what they're going to do. So buckle up, or I guess settle in, grab yourself a chair, because we're still in Effettville, and we're going to stay here until we figure out what Drew Locke really is. And there's going to be talk about wanting to get rid of Pat Shermer. That's not going to happen. That would be a lateral move. Unless you're going to go get, as you said before we started recording, the only way that I would be okay with a move at offensive coordinator is if they made a move back to Rich Scangarello. I would be okay with that. Yeah. And then why not? The top move would be to have Mike Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. Bring him in and let him work with Drew Locke. I mean, why not? I mean, I get it. Joe Ellis is not going to let it happen. I'm still baffled that the Broncos Ring of Fame selection committee actually is going to put Mike Shanahan in the Broncos Ring of Fame because of Joe Ellis. But Pat Shermer is going to be the offensive coordinator again. The last thing you want to do is uproot everything that Drew Locke knows and bring in a new system and a new guy with a new philosophy. So you're going to get Pat Shermer again in 2021 as well. Give him the opportunity to have an offseason. I mean, the one thing that people say about quarterbacks is they need reps. They need reps. Drew Locke didn't get those reps in 2020 because of COVID. From March until August, he got nothing. No preseason games. That's even bigger. Because in game situations, as much as I hate preseason games, and I hope they limit it to two going forward, that's a lot of reps. There is the the inter-squad scrimmage with the Chicago Bears that got nixed. That's an opportunity with reps against a really good defense with Khalil Mack and a defense that Vic Fangio coached a couple of years ago. You forgot to mention Roquan Smith. Just uh, make sure obligatory Roquan Smith mention. I'm going to let you get that, the obligatory Roquan Smith mention. But, yeah, I mean, he needs the reps. And he needs the reps. I mean, at least a 1,000. I I mean, I don't know. I'm not good at math. I was told there would be no math. But that's a lot of reps that Drew Locke didn't get this year. And it's not his fault. And I actually think he's gotten better. I really like the way he played on Sunday after his first pick. He was really efficient. The Broncos didn't have a three and out. They were three or seven to 13 on third down. He's got to have some credit for that. Yes, he locks in on his receivers. He misses open guys. He has bad footwork, and I think that's the biggest thing that he needs in terms of reps is footwork. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording. He should work with Patrick Mahomes because the one thing Mahomes will say to any broadcasting crew when he meets with them on the Fridays before the game is he works on his footwork. He constantly works on his footwork because he knows it's the most important thing for any athlete in any sport it's all about footwork. Yeah, you're making a, uh, an excellent point there. And in fact, 
I think that one of the things we see in sports is you see the upper half, right? The upper half is, is doing all the, the stuff. The upper half is what people marvel at arm strength, right? The ability to throw, uh, you know, sidearm, the sort of the wiggle, the move and whatnot. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. If your feet are bad, if your feet are bad, you're going to make bad throws. It doesn't matter how strong your arm is. If your feet are bad, you're going to throw it short or you're going to throw it off or you're going to throw it, uh, you know, over, over people's heads. It's all about footwork. And then, and that is, across sports it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about it's all about footwork it doesn't matter about what you're doing in sports it's all about footwork and if we all just subscribe to the fact that we needed to have better footwork we'd all be better athletes that's that is true so it is it is something that i think from that standpoint that's fixable you you bring up a really good point the, the reads, like going through the progressions and seeing open receivers, seeing guys that, you know, when he locks in on, on guys, I don't know if you can fix that. I don't know how you fix that. That's not my department, right? That's, some, that's something he has to do with Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, and he's got he's to get that all figured out. That's just something you've got to get figured out. But footwork, footwork is clearly something you can fix. Footwork is something you can work on. Footwork is something that should be the first thing you do, the last thing you do, and probably the middle four or five things you do every day. And and hopefully that's what he's doing. The rest of it, his ability to, to not lock in on receivers, to look off of safety, to go through the progressions, maybe that's something that he's he's reaching his ceiling on, right? Everybody has different abilities and, and uh, you know different ways of, go, of processing content and processing information maybe he's just not good at that. Maybe that's just not something that he's going to get better at. But we won't really know until we see him go through an entire offseason and an entire opportunity to learn this offense because it's like learning a new language. And if you try and learn a new language, but you're not allowed to actually learn the language and use the language, you're never going to be good at it, right? There's this some one of the things that I think is important, and I'm you know I learned to speak French in high school but my French isn't great. I can write and read in French really, really well. That's it. I, my, my speaking and comprehension with people, not great. But I lived in a place where people spoke Italian and I learned to speak Italian. My practice is far better in Italian. I can't write in Italian. I can't read in Italian, but I can speak in Italian. That's, that's the difference I think you're seeing with Drew Locke right now. His practice was with... Rich Scangarello and TC McCartney and got really good at what he was doing there. And, and even then he wasn't great. I'll bet he could tell you anything and everything about this Pat Shermer playbook that you asked him to. I, I, I almost guarantee it because he was able to be in the book. All he needed to be right. Hey, let's go through the plays. remember that was the big thing when they drafted Jerry Judy. Let's come on. Let's get into the book. I'll have you look at the book. Okay. Let's go through the playbook. Okay. That's all theory. None of that is actually happening on the field. None of that is actually going on. And so he can probably recite everything from the playbook. But now he's got to implement it. That's where that's where the disconnect is. And that's going to take time. Uh, and, and I guess the question then becomes, do you want to give him that time? I don't think you're going to have a choice there, Broncos country. John Elway is, is going to run this back. Nothing's changing. Buckle up. Nothing's changing. And he hasn't had Cortland Sutton. I mean, I, I don't know how much of an impact. I mean, it, it obviously has an impact. Cortland Sutton's one of the best receivers in football. You take what you take him away, it's going to adversely affect whether or not the offense is good or not. And especially a quarterback, a young quarterback, because he has a good rapport with Cortland Sutton because he's had those reps with Cortland Sutton. He didn't get those reps with Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler. To an extent, he got a little. He got some with Noah Fant in his rookie year in 2019, but not really. Not in this offense. He has that rapport with Cortland Sutton. So, I get it. People are impatient. They don't want to give him the opportunity. The thing I don't understand is some of the vitriol going at Drew Locke. I mean, is it because he's such a confident guy and he acts confidently that 
that automatically means that he's not living up to his own hype, perhaps. But I, I, I don't get it. There are some people who are just like hoping for him to fail because they want to be right. And if you look at the stats, I'm not a stats guy, but if it was also the eye test. You mentioned Josh Allen earlier. Josh Allen was horrid his rookie year. Looked like he had no business being in the National Football League. Kind of like Drew Locke. Their statistics bear that out. Almost identical. Almost identical. But Buffalo stuck with Josh Allen, and now, as you mentioned, he's an NFL quarterback. So I get it. People think what they see is how it's going to be. There's no way he can get better. It bucks the trend. But each case is different. No case is the same. No quarterback goes through the exact same progression or regression. Each quarterback is different. That's why we've always said we don't want Drew Locke to be Patrick Mahomes. We don't want Drew Locke to be Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson. Hopefully not Carson Wentz. Yeah, don't do that. Be Drew Locke, but at least give him an offseason, an entire offseason, with the same offensive coordinator. Yeah, I got to I gotta echo that. And also, I'm, I, I do kind of want to mention just how frustrating it is to see people say they, they hate a guy because of the way he plays a game. You want to hate somebody in the National Football League, hate Tyreek Hill. Exactly. Okay? Hate, hate Tyreek Hill because, because of who he is and what he's done. And hate Travis Kelsey. Hey Travis Kelsey because of, because of the way he is and acts and what I'm fine with that, but to hate a guy who is is quite frankly putting the work in. I, there's no way you can convince me that that Drew Locke isn't putting in 100 percent of the effort that he needs to put in. That that just is it's it's just it's just cruel and and unnecessary. You want to hate somebody? Hate somebody that deserves it that has earned it. I I don't imagine that Drew Locke is someone who has earned your hate because of the way he plays a game, like settle down, right? You, you don't want to like the kid because he, because he's, he's confident. Like you said, I, I guess that's fine, but some of, some of it needs to chill a little bit. Like it's over the top. So that being said, let's stop talking about drew lock. We're not, we're not trying to make excuses. We're just trying to, to bring some perspective and just kind of maybe tone it down a touch with him because it is sort of that this is, this is where we are in Broncos country. We're, we're dealing with quarterback issues and that's what we have to do. That's fine. But you know, this is just, 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 just be patient. And, and if he sucks next year, they'll move on. God, if they sucks next year, they'll move on. I hope <laughs> we need more people to join us in Effettville around the campfire. Yes. Come on, get some beans. Come on, enjoy it. You know, give some to Mongo. He loves beans. Candy gram for Mongo. Oh, my. Just don't bring bring thunder. (laughs) No, thunder won't. Thunder won't survive. So, all right. A couple of uh, things we do need to talk about the Boye news. I think we should touch on just a little bit. AJ Boye uh, in some PED trouble. Um, Cut him. Yeah. Is he? I'm going to ask you this question. Is AJ Boye the most disappointing Bronco this season? Uh, yes. At least on the defense. I know some people are like, oh, it's Drew Locke. Oh. It, to me, it's A.J. Boye, right? I mean. On the entire roster, it's A.J. Boye. He was brought in to be the number one cornerback, and he has been anything but. And then, clearly, he doesn't have the mental side of it because he's getting his PEDs from juiced-up, roided-up, nut-job Brian Cushing. Because as Benjamin Albright noted, Boye is linked to the Will Fuller, Bradley Roby mess in Houston, which is entirely because of the D-rated version of Bill Romanowski. I love that you call Brian Cushing the D-rated, the the D-rated uh, Bill Romanowski. That is a fantastic comparison. Bill Romanowski was a good football player. You give him the steroids, it's crazy. Tear you up. He'll also spit in JJ Stokes' face. That's not cool. That was that was unnecessary. But, he didn't fight Muhammad Ali, though. No, that's that's all Lyle Alzado. And that guy was crazy as well. Football makes yeah, some crazy people. Remember, for those who don't know, who listen to this podcast and, and don't know a lot about Lyle Alzado, I have for years pitched for him to be in the ring of fame. Because I be. think he is the most unheralded, underrated, 
overlooked Bronco in history. There is no orange crush without Lyle Alzado. I don't care about Randy Gratishar, Tom Jackson, great players. Louis Wright, great player. If there is no Lyle Alzado, there's no orange, there's no orange crush. But aside from that, um, yeah, I mean, really, you're, you're getting PEDs from Brian Cushing? Brian Cushing promised me that there weren't any PEDs in them. Brian Cushing? You that? How many times did he get suspended for PEDs? Like, Not enough. When somebody tells you who they are, believe them the first time, okay? I mean, that's just... Sorry. Moving out the Maya Angelou reference. Yeah, well, you know, every once in a while, I like to remind people that I have at least half a brain. So (laughs) I busted out how I speak different languages and I know Maya Angelou. Not personally. I've, you know, just read some of her work. So, you know, she's not with us anymore either, by the way. She's she's like, she left. She's not here. So, all right. So there's the Boye news. Let's let's get on to the game because the Broncos do play uh, a game against the Panthers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Right, sort of a, a homegrown, uh, solid, amazing player. All, that's all the news right now. Uh, Eddie Mack is the uh, the head coach at the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, for, My alma mater. For, yeah, I went there for a little while too. Then I transferred. Then I dropped out of school, and then I went back to school. And then it's a it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. Uh, As we call it in in Greeley, the Harvard of Weld County. That's right, the Harvard of Weld County. You know, the old man was uh, a tennis coach at UNC before they cut the program due to COVID issues. Uh, so there's, you know, a little connection there. My old man was also a coach where Ed McCaffrey is a coach. So there you go. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did say it was going to be surreal, though, because he grew up on the Broncos sideline at Mile High. And now he's going to be on the on the wrong side of the field. Maybe he could – Would I would love to have him just change jerseys, right? He and, he and Melvin Gordon could switch. Right, they could just trade for the day. I'd be fine with that. They can trade back afterwards. It's cool. That way, it doesn't have to feel too weird for him. Would you take that trade? I would, like in a heartbeat. I would in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. So can we make it. Can we make it stick? Yeah, probably not. I, I, I have a feeling that the Panthers are are fine with who they have. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's talk about the game though. Um, both of these teams are not great. Is that the is that the word I'm looking for? Four and eight. So you're not great. Yeah, four and eight, not great. I, li- I like how that rhymes. So, you know, it's it's a clash of teams that are battling for draft position, I suppose. And uh, it's a it's a game where the Broncos have to travel east uh, all the way Which to is the, never good. All the way to the East Coast and play the early game. So, yikes. It's not really stacking up to be. Um, something that it's the Broncos don't do that. Well, most teams in on the West coast don't travel East. Well, that's just the truth. So, uh, that's look at the Raiders when they almost lost to the jets. When who, the, Greg Williams decides he's going to do a zero blitz on a hail Mary. What, uh, what do you think the bonus was that he got offered by the ownership to throw that game? Is that too conspiracy theorist for you? A million. It was probably a big number. They're like, Greg, you're not coming back next year, but we will drop you a large sum of money if you screw this up. And he was like, all right, I got nothing else to do, and I love me some bounties. Of course. I, and Oh, that, nice. I like how you did that. Thank you. I think that came from the owner's box. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know I don't know if Woody Johnson still goes to Jets games, but he was probably, like, phoning down to Greg Williams. Do not do anything on this. Do a zero blitz. The phone rang and Adam Gase couldn't find it because his eyes are weird. <laughs> he was looking for the taco. <laughs> so anyway, back onto the Broncos. <laughs> um, I, I think the key, to, as I said, in as I'll say in the, the preview at, at Mile High Report, the staff preview, and as I said in Play Colorado, score touchdowns. It, it's, it's good that the Broncos are able to rush the football. It's great that they're able to move the football. That's even better that they're protecting Drew Locke. They didn't give up a sack to the Chiefs. So the offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, is definitely coming into its own. You have to score touchdowns. All that stuff is great, but you're still scoring 16 points. So regardless of what your defense does, when you hold the Chiefs to 22 points, you should win. 
So yeah. to me, the key is to score at least 24 points. If the, if the Broncos score less than that, they'll lose. If they score at least 24, they have a chance. Because Carolina's offense is able to, to put up a lot of points. And that's been without Christian McCaffrey. So score touchdowns. Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing we have to mention uh, before I get into my key to the game, which is, is going to be sort of play off of that a little bit, uh, they, they are having some COVID issues with Carolina as well. So um, we'll, we'll kind of have to keep our eye on that to see what happens. I think they already lost, um, was it eight? Was, yeah, it was eight players. Uh, well, I, I guess it's seven because I think one was on the practice squad. Okay. And then, but they had no more positive tests on Tuesday, but two receivers. I mean, that, that's going to impact what Teddy Bridgewater, I, I, is he, I don't even know if he's playing again. I, I don't really follow the Panthers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a Panthers follower, uh, but it is, it is going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be an issue because you have uh, players that are uh, dealing with COVID and you have, um, you know, so you have some, you have some issues there. I mean, the Panthers closed their facilities uh, after, after the, t- I mean, you, you know that something's going on and it could impact the game. Uh, knowing the NFL, they'll probably tell the Broncos they can't use any quarterbacks uh, <laughs> and they'll move the game to like next Thursday or something. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I, I think just to kind of get into my key to the game, I, I think offensively they've got to slow the game down. Um, the, the, the Broncos have an opportunity here to steal a win. And I say steal a win because I don't expect them to travel to the East coast and win a game. That's just not uh, in their repertoire. Uh, But I do think that they can steal a win here by limiting the, the number of offensive plays that the the Panthers can make, right? You keep Christian McCaffrey off the field. uh, You, you sort of eat up the clock. You, you slow things down. And then maybe they don't even have to score 24. Maybe they only have to score 23 points to have a shot at winning this game. So it, it is something that is important. You want to slow the game down, make sure that you're controlling the ball, and, and that way you're, you're limiting the opportunities that the Panthers have on offense. And, and you're keeping the defense fresh. That is the other part of this that is really important. The defense needs to be uh, you know given the opportunity to sort of stay fresh and, and stay stay healthy. And the more they're on the field, the harder that is to do. So um, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that, but that's really going to be, at least that's my key to the game. So uh, any players to watch for you, just jump right in and go for it. Obviously it's Drew Locke. I mean, it, he's going to be the player to watch the, the next four games. The remainder of the season, it's Drew Locke, uh, at least on offense. That's a, that's a fair assessment. Uh, I think on offense, I'll, I'll just kind of go with, um, I don't know. Let's let let's go with uh, Philip Lindsay. When Philip Lindsay does well, uh, then then the Broncos do well. So I'll, I'll go with Philip Lindsay. Also, uh, kind of an interesting sort of side note to the to the game that you have two uh, two Colorado natives that are going to have a big impact on this game or could have a big impact on this game. So that'll be something at least for people who are from Colorado who kind of follow the team and 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 look at that as a, always kind of a big fun thing. There, you have some homegrown talent you can watch that's always fun. So go ahead and watch uh, Philip Lindsay and, and watch Christian McCaffrey, I guess, as well. Why not? Defense? I, I'm going to go with the defensive line because I, I think it's remarkable how this defense is played when you consider who hasn't been on the field. Without Von Miller, without Jarrell Casey, without Mike Purcell, the defense is still playing incredibly well. I, I, I mean, I'm just blown away at how this defense has been able to play. And now you take away A.J. Boye, so now your top two cornerbacks are not going to be on the field because of Bryce Callahan's foot. The defensive line is going to be key because that's how you stop Christian McCaffrey. That's how you get pressure on the quarterback to make sure that he can't do those little dump wheel route passes to Christian McCaffrey. It's pressure up the middle on the quarterback to get him off, to get him unsettled and, and out of the pocket. So to me, the key is the defensive line. Yeah, I think it's, that's a really good one. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go back into that secondary, and I'm I'm gonna just say uh, the secondary in general because it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a battle. Now, the nice thing is, and we talked about this a little bit. I went ahead and pulled up the the players that are on the COVID nineteen list as of Monday. Uh, it it includes receivers DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel. So uh, those are two those are those are two starting 
wide receivers for the Carolina Panthers. That is something that will help, right? It will make things uh, a little bit easier for the secondary. But but quite frankly, the, the Broncos are going out there shorthanded uh, when it comes to their cornerback situation. And that's going to make things difficult. So uh, I think just watching that entire that entire defensive backs group, including Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, who uh, both of them are just a pleasure to watch play football anyway. So you might as well just watch them just because it'll make you feel better about yourself. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of where my head is at with that. Uh, I, I think it would be great if the defensive line can disrupt what's going on in the backfield enough that the secondary, which is young and, and un, really unproven at this point because of injuries and mistakes made by uh, uh, the boneheaded A.J. Boye, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. I think that evens things out as well. So that'll be an interesting one when it comes to players to watch. I, I think it's important here. We didn't mention it in the postgame recap. We, we Michael Ojemudie deserves a lot of kudos for the way he played on Sunday. To be put in that position to go against the Chiefs receivers is not easy, especially for any quarterback, let alone a rookie. So Michael Ojemudie deserves a lot of credit for the way he played on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully he's able to uh, sort of build on that and, and play well. Uh, when when they go to Carolina to play the Panthers, that's that's the hope. Uh, he's he you know to be honest with 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 Ojemudie to me, he's one of the most interesting rookies on this team because he has been put in some really difficult spots, uh, and and there's been a lot asked of him. He and Lloyd Cushenberry both, I think, are guys who have been sort of thrown into the mix and have had to really learn on the fly. And I got a lot of respect for the both of them and, and the way that they've been able to do that. And and I think it will help them down the road become even better uh, and really be contributors to this football team for a long time. And that's kind of what the hope is, especially as we uh, head towards 2021, because essentially, like you said, and like we've been saying, we're in Effettville, and so 2020 doesn't matter. You got a prediction? I think the Broncos do get to the 24 points. But they don't get above it. Ooh. But so it's a tie. I, so I mentioned I mentioned in the play Colorado story for all the bad news. If you've been betting on the Broncos, the Broncos are seven and five against the spread this year. I think they're going to improve to eight and five because I think they're going to because the current line right now is about three and a half. I think the Broncos are going to cover 24 Panthers. Ooh, okay, all right, all right. I like that. You know, I. Uh... I don't think they get to that 24 magic number. I'm not going to uh, give the offense much more credit than they've already uh, received, but I'm going to give the defense more credit. I think this defense is one of the best defenses I've ever watched play football. And that includes the 2015 defense. And the reason that I say that is because of the situation that this team has been in. I'm going to give them a lot of credit. I don't think they're better, but I think they're up there. I think that they are on the same level as a defense that went on to win a Super Bowl. And I think in a situation like this, with a game that I most people are probably going to pick the Panthers just to pick the Panthers because of how bad Drew Locke has been, I think the defense does enough. And I'm going to go with a, a, a familiar score. Uh, I'm going to say the Broncos win this one 22-16. Oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, I felt pretty good about it. So after that, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break here. We've been talking for a while. And uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at the rest of the AFC West, do our whip around the league, and we'll say goodbye. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. All right. So we're back. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the uh, AFC West games. Uh, obviously, let's just go ahead and start with the Chiefs. They they play at the Dolphins. The Broncos beat the Dolphins. The Chiefs beat the Broncos. By proxy, the Chiefs are probably going to beat the Dolphins. I do think I do think the game is going to be close because I think that Miami defense is really good. Yeah, Brian Flores I, is doing a good job down there. I think Brian Flores will be able to look at what Vic Fangio and Bill Belichick have done this year because the Patriots also slowed down Patrick Mahomes earlier in the year too before they had their little COVID outbreak. So I I I think that game is going to be closer than people think. I still think the Chiefs are going to win, obviously, and they got aided bigly by the Washington football team. And WTF, the Washington football team beat the Steelers. What? WTF. That's crazy. Which also helps the Broncos in terms of draft pick if you're into that that kind of thing. Sure, if you're into that Um, conversation. So I do think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it's going to be closer. Because I, I, I think that I think that Miami defense is legit. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. The the Miami defense is really good. Again, Brian Flores has done a, a tremendous job down there. Uh, that team is, I think, ahead of schedule as well. So, uh, you know, when you talk about teams as in the ascendancy, they are in the ascendancy. They're maybe a season ahead of where they're supposed to be, and they're still going to lose to the Chiefs. But it's going to be a fun game to watch. If we if this wasn't an AFC West matchup, that might be one that I would say, hey, that's one that you might want to turn on because that one could be fun. Uh, Colts at the Raiders. The Colts go to Las Vegas to take on the hated Raiders. And uh, we were just talking about this, and I was like, I don't know if I can pick the Colts. I don't know if they've been doing really well. And then I looked at the, looked at what they've done the last couple of weeks, and I said, yeah, I guess it won't be too easy, too difficult to to pick the Colts to win this game. So yeah, I'm picking the Colts. They'll beat the Raiders. And I think it's because of the Colts defense. Yeah, and the Raiders face familiar rival and foe, Philip Rivers. Yeah, hey, hey remember you? I remember you. Hey, and your eighty-four kids, <laughs> his entire elementary school of children. So yeah, that 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 one it might be close, but I think I think the Colts probably pull a win out there. Uh, that could be for a playoff spot too. It absolutely could, and and quite frankly, the Raiders have not been playing well the last few weeks. Uh, they they got a um, they got trucked by the Falcons <laughs> and then almost lost to the Jets who the Broncos handled quite well with Brett Rippon at quarterback that doesn't mean I think he should be the starter let me no. put a stop to that right there uh and then full stop yeah full stop and then the the last game in the AFC West uh is the Falcons at Chargers the, the Chargers will lose that game oh I don't think it'll be close I, I mean it, it could be I, I think but I think the Falcons' defense has been playing better, and the Falcons have been playing a lot better since Dan Quinn got fired. So I think I I, I don't think there's any doubt that the Chargers are going to lose. What's fascinating is how long it takes Dean Spanos to move on from Anthony Lynn, and I think that's a that's a situation that's somewhat similar to the Broncos because they have an owner, but he's so inept that there's basically no owner. So. Until until Spanos is not running the Chargers, they're going to continue to be the Dolts. Oh yeah, that that won't change. I actually think it's uh, sort of like in a in a Jets style scenario. It's probably in their best interest just to play the season out. What is the point of firing Anthony Anthony Lynn now? Uh, you might as well just leave him in there and let him keep losing. And that'll give you a higher draft pick because that's that's what you got to do. And and I don't dislike Anthony Lynn. I actually feel bad for the guy. But they just can't. They just can't seem to make it work, uh, and so you know, we'll, they'll they'll get a higher draft pick, and then Anthony Lynn won't be the coach of the Chargers next year, and, and that's fine. Uh, any games that stick out to you that are not AFC West games on the schedule? I think the game of the week is Monday night. I think it's the Ravens and the Browns, and as we record this, the Ravens have yet to play their game against the Cowboys. Earlier in this year, the Ravens blew out Baker Mayfield and the Browns. However, the Browns are what ten and three at this point. Nine and three. I believe they're nine and three as as they sit right now. So they're they're definitely in the thick of the playoff race. They well, will the, make the playoffs. And the Ravens and are Baker six and Mayfield, five. 
Yeah, and the, and the Ravens have potential. They may not make the playoffs. Right. The Ravens might so, be six and six by the time you're listening to this. Well, I think they'll beat the Cowboys. I'm just saying it's possible. I so that's going to be interesting. How Baker Mayfield and the Browns respond to earlier in the year when they they got blown out by the Ravens, and then I think the other game that's very 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 interesting is Sunday night, and that's the Steelers at the Bills. Especially since Pittsburgh just coming off a loss. They are the last thing they want to do is go into Arrowhead. And I, I I have felt and I have said this on the multiple radio hits that I've done in Denver that I think the Steelers match up very well with the Chiefs. Even in this COVID year, you don't want to go to Arrowhead. You yeah. don't want you don't want to face Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and that offense at home. I and I actually think that's a game they could lose. Uh we just watched Josh Allen uh play very well against the 49ers and um I, again I, I think that this is a game where the Steelers will will be ready this is not going to be a trap game this is not going to be one of those games where uh they they didn't see it coming but they they do have a a big test in front of them because the Bills are a very good team the Bills are are the, maybe the sneakiest of teams aside from the Browns in the AFC West or in the AFC this year. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, can we talk about uh, Baker Mayfield's little slide spin celebration on that touchdown pass where he came flying into the, did you see this? The, the way he slid in, like does a little pop slide, hit his knee, spin around thing. Did you see that? I have not seen it. Oh my so gosh. I can't comment. Check, check it out. I shared, uh, I shared it in general in Slack. You just go check it out. It is it is maybe one of the most athletic things I've ever seen. And I, I'm not joking. It is incredible. It's it's the smoothest, silkiest move. I, I, I can't even describe it to you. I was, I, it's just incredible. You, you got to see it. It's unbelievable. So, so I have to watch that on top of all the commercials Baker Mayfield is doing? Yeah, but this is actually good. Oh, okay. And then I'm looking at – it's not necessarily games – but it's teams. Okay. I am blown away by what Joe Judge is doing with the Giants. They've won five straight games, and they just went on the road and beat the Seahawks. So can the Giants keep it rolling? I think they have a defense that can win in the playoffs. Now, can they do it against the Pan- or against the Cardinals? And then, since I mentioned the Seahawks, how do the Seahawks respond to that loss to the Giants, and can they potentially – lose to the jets and then no <laughs> the last team that i'm looking at sorry. is sorry no the titans after just getting i don't think the game while the as ron zapolo would say the final score doesn't indicate how much of a blowout the browns beat the titans how do the titans respond to the to jacksonville yeah, those are those are all good games. I also think you got to look at the Vikings and Buccaneers. The Buccaneers coming off a bye. Uh, the Vikings are uh, battling for a playoff spot as well. I mean, there's there's some good stuff going on there. That could be a fun one to watch. This actually looks like, uh, at least on paper, or at least on my computer screen here, looks like a, a fairly interesting week of football games that that should be fun to watch. And I will include the Denver Broncos game in that because I see that as a game that is is two talented teams that have been dealing with some stuff, you know, and uh, we'll see how that one plays out as well. It's uh, It's been an interesting season, and the season continues. Get the beans ready. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always... Go Broncos!